We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? Probably not very good <laughs> if Twitter is to believe. Uh, it's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, coming at you on a, we're recording this on a Sunday night, uh, just at 8 p.m. Some stuff happened. Some stuff's probably going to happen this week. We are here. I don't know where here is to talk about where here is. We here. We. <laughs> Are we though, Jeremy? Uh, physically, I don't know about mentally or emotionally, but we here. Metaphysically, yeah. um, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, John. I'm good. You know, um, I'll bet. I guess. Like, here's the thing. I the whole week was so exhausting leading up to the draft, thinking about it, and. All these things. And um, I was really looking forward to getting away from Knicks basketball for a little bit and going yeah. over to uh, something that's successful and taking in a Yankees game. And Had that I, out for you. it didn't work out well. You know, I've always wanted to see a no hitter in person. I didn't want to see it when it happens to my team. Was that today? That was that was yesterday. Oh, that was yesterday. Shows and how to, I've been in my own world. And then today, uh, didn't have a hit through like six innings, and then Aaron Judge hit a walk off. So, uh, oh, just my luck. Very cool. Very fun. So, yeah, it's been a banner week for my sports teams, I guess. Well, let's talk about that because <laughs> I'm not even that down about the Knicks. Just to preface this, um, but we will talk about it. It's more just like it's it's not fun, obviously, but there's like a great joy 
generally amongst Knicks fans of like kind of relishing in the pain. And I don't think there's a ton of pain to really relish in right now, but that's up for debate. We'll obviously get into that. Uh, I'll let's, let's start here. And we're going to, uh, Andrew Claudio, who is, um, I believe, uh, in, in route to his home, He'll, he may be popping up a little bit later uh, because the LIRR uh, sucks. Uh, he, he, he was kind enough as he's waiting on some train platform and I don't know, Woodlawn or something uh, was kind enough to write some questions that we're going to, we're going to go through because I think they do a good job of putting the last several days in, in context uh, in terms of where people are at and what their thoughts are. I, I you know, when you have a big night, it could be a game that ends in disappointing fashion. It could be a game that is terribly exciting. It could be a draft. It could be free agency. Oftentimes, I feel like it's more not a game, but it can happen with a game, too. There's like your reactions in the moment, and then you go to sleep, and you wake up, and you think about it some more, and then you usually, I don't want to say think differently, but you will... um get a chance to reflect on everything once all the facts are known. And you had a very nice rant on draft night about wait for the facts. And I think we even should probably go a step further than that, which is like, it's not only wait for the facts, but it's wait to be able to like actually take a step back and like get a good night's rest and then look at everything in total. And like for me, and we'll, we'll talk, we'll start by talking about what the Knicks actually did on draft night in a second, but like, if you would have laid out their draft night before going into the evening, I would have been like, okay, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the next draft night. That's exactly what we should be expecting. I would, I've been like thrilled about it. No. Would I have been like, I probably would have been like, eh, okay. Um, it's fine. They did what they came to do and they did what, and given their, given their parameters of what they like hope to achieve, they were they fine. They they were fine. They executed what they hope to achieve, and and it's like this is the direction they're taking. We'll see how the direction works out, which we're going to find out more about this week. But I, I just any thoughts on that? Yeah, hundred percent. I think I needed time. I really kind of like took a day to just not try to think about basketball to see when it would come back to me. And what I think happened was suddenly there's word that the Knicks are really interested in Ivy. We knew that Jaden Ivy interest was there before, but yep. it's kind of more prevalent. And so fans get excited by this. And then because fans are excited, we talk about it and we, you know, do a whole cap or no cap and evaluating different ways of trying to get him yep. and all these things. And we get excited about it. And the fans then feed off of our excitement. And then suddenly it's like Ivy, or bust. And anything short of that then feels like a disappointment to a lot of folks. And so it's how do you kind of bridge that gap? And the more I have walked away, it's still got to look to the free agency side, need to figure out what's going on there. If you get your guy, great. If not, we have to have a much more serious conversation, but it's all kind of in stages. And in this stage, you know, like I can't fault people for being upset. I'm not upset. I'm not thrilled, but I'm not really angry. And I know there are people who are. Um, I'm probably more in like the the neutral to positive because I do get where they're going with this. It's hard not to see exactly where they're going with this. But <laughs> if you don't uh, see where they're going with this, you should probably go have your your vision checked. Yes. So it's you know I, I 
I'm glad we're going to be breaking this down because it's a little bit more complex than I think is being considered. And it's just something we should evaluate. Um, we're going to get to Ivy in a second. Um, and Alan Hahn made some comments on the radio, I think uh, a few days ago, and we'll, we'll touch on those. And then we're actually going to move past the draft. And in part two of the, this episode, we're going to uh, kind of go through what, what lies ahead. But just in regards to people being upset, and again, if you're if you are a person that is upset coming off the draft night, I'm trust me, you're you're not gonna get me sitting here telling you you're being ridiculous. I do think though it is worth considering why you might be angry. If you're angry at where they're at after draft night, you you probably should look at like this regime's approach throughout the time that they've been here because it really hasn't changed. You know, draft night was just like another step in the approach that they've had. If you want to, you know, tell me like they're officially done with the young asset accumulation phase, like that's fine. Although I don't, I wouldn't even think that's not really true because they just went really hard after Ivy. So it's just, you know, they're, they're kind of, um, Oh God, I wish I knew anything about like the art of war. It's like that, there was positioning of like troops to begin with. And now they're moving towards like the next stage of, uh, of, of battle positions. I don't know. It was a terrible analogy. Uh, let's talk about what the Knicks actually did on draft night. Uh, the Knicks, uh, as you said, tried uh, as they might to trade up for Jade and Ivy. Um, we don't, we don't know exactly what was offered. Um, but we know it wasn't enough to move up to four and we know it wasn't enough to move up to five. And then they ended up making not one, not two, but three trades. Uh, so the first trade is they uh, moved off of the 11th pick by trading it to the Oklahoma city thunder for three future first round picks. Um, all of which are protected. I'm going to get back to the picks and the protections in just a second. Uh, the second trade is they moved one of those picks that they got. I would argue the worst of the three picks that they got from Oklahoma city. Do you, do you have a, well, we'll get to, we'll go back to it in a second and then use that um, along with four second rounders to acquire the 13th pick from the Charlotte Hornets, which Charlotte had just used on Jalen Duran. And then after that, they turned around and flipped Duran along with Kemba Walker to the Detroit Pistons for another future first round pick. Did I get all that correct? Is there anything you'd like to add? You did get all that correct. And oh, wow. yeah, I, okay. I think that the, the common misconception, and I was subscribing to this before seeing it in front of me, is that it wasn't, oh, the Knicks dumped four seconds along with Kemba Walker to get the money off the books and punt on the 11th pick. It was not Can we that. just focus on that for a second? That's what they did. They traded four seconds to dump Kemba Walker. That like, no, they, it, it wasn't because they they traded the four seconds to get the thirteenth. I know what you're saying. Like by virtue, like that's the sum total. Sure, it was a sum total, but yeah. you still got the first round pick coming back. I understand it's all value added. I get that. Yes, it's more that I, the Knicks try to trade back in, and I think like this is the thing that I the way I look at it, right? Like. 11 for three firsts. Even like, unless you love a prospect, then I think that's fine. You're basically saying 
quantity over quality. In the past, I've talked about quality is better than quantity. But if you feel like, if you're the Knicks and you feel like, hey, we've got enough mouths to feed with the young kids as is, creating the logjam, it's another like three and a half, four million dollars that would be in cap space that goes towards the next prospect because they have a cap hold and we want to go get Brunson. That's an issue. I get all that. That's fine. Well, yeah, keep going. The second one being trading in for 13 by using one of those first round picks and four second round picks. No problem with that either. Um, It's really like, okay, well, are you going to get the prospect you like? No. Um, Okay. Well, again, like the four seconds don't really bother me because for example, the Knicks turned Ed Davis into three seconds. So it's, it's, and it's not like we can really feel like these seconds are like so incredibly important that how could we give them up? They're, they're second round picks. They are, they were, if I was saying like masterclass a couple of years ago when um, Brock Aller was acquiring second round picks, it was one fairly facetious. And two, we just hadn't seen any sort of creativity from a Knicks front office that was anywhere near what that was. So it just felt like, Oh my God, this is great. There's someone who's but, actually trying to get future picks, but you this get nice the picks team. to grease the skids on moves like this. That yes. is why, I mean, yes, of course you could use the picks and, Theoretically, select the next Nikola Jokic. That is incredibly rare. Most of the time, these picks are used to select players that are not in the NBA. Mm-hmm. To your point, it is good to acquire these things for when you need them. Yes. Now, we could talk about whether or not this is the appropriate expenditure of those picks. That's a separate story, though. Yes. So then, if you're taking someone that you love at 13, I get that. It then kind of goes against the whole cap space thing, which is still something the Knicks are prioritizing. So then the Knicks traded back out. Now, I understand why they took Duran and said to the Pistons, hey, we've got Duran. We know you want him. We really want Ivy. We have these other picks. We have everything. Let's make a deal. And ultimately, the Pistons said, no, we want to keep Ivy. And then I would imagine the Knicks said, well, we don't want Duran and we know you do. So let's make a deal here. And at that point, yes. have you? I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there. As am I. There is a, <laughs> there is a possibility they knew they weren't getting Ivy before they did the Durant trade. That's definitely possible too. And this was all. And once that, once they had crossed that bridge, then they're like, okay, let's make sure we achieve another one of our our goals tonight. Yes. And so then that's the third step that I think people are. I can't blame them if they feel this way if that they're upset because it was you signed Kemba. Why, like, this is the situation you got yourself into, and now you're trading the 13th pick in this draft for a pick later, and you're also dumping Kemba. I get it. The other thing, though, that kind of like it doesn't irk me, it's just more like of a head scratcher. Fans love Walt Perrin, he finds talent all over the draft. And I'm not saying that you can't find talent at the top of the draft, obviously, it's there, but like. There are two players on the roster that the Knicks really care about who are drafted 25th overall. Um, Jericho Sims. Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel, we should say. Right. And so it's that sort of thinking where it's like, yeah, you can find talent throughout. And what are the odds that picks are even on this team in a few years to begin with? It's more just like, I understand why they're going quantity because that's future, not a future problem. Like that's future money. It, It impedes what they're trying to do right now. And if they didn't love a prospect that was there, and if they felt like they needed to move money, I get it. I get it. it I don't love it, but I understand it. It just it hinges upon free agency from there. Yes. So, so- part, parts one and part two, cool. Part three, I understand if that's upsetting. 
several things. One, it's not the first time Walt Perrin has had this experience almost right down to the exact pick when he was in Utah. They had the 12th pick in the draft and I forget what year. Um, and I, I was funny. I was going back and watching old, old videos when Walt Perrin was hired. He did a, like a 20 minute interview about that particular draft and all the guys that were like thinking about and looking at and this and that and the other thing. Ended up selecting Torian Prince. And what do they do with Torian Prince? They flipped him in a three-team trade that brought them George Hill, who lasted in Utah, I think, for a year. Um, Could have signed an extension. Got Yes, that's right. Didn't do it. So if you are a person out there who trusts Walt Perrin to the end of the earth and back, um, you should trust him. Or and again, it's we again, we don't know everything. It's possible Walt Perrin was jumping up and down on the table, being like, get Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams is gonna be the next. You know, McCall Bridges or whatever. We don't know that. My assumption would be, and based on, I, I will I'll throw uh, based on what I've heard in here too. Um, the the player that they were most in agreement on, uh, putting Ivy aside, in terms of who they would take if he was there at eleven was Johnny Davis. Now I don't know if Walt Perrin loved Johnny Davis. I don't know if Walt Perrin hated Johnny Davis, but he was the guy, he was the name that and, and this is reported elsewhere that he Mark Berman, his last words before he went on a bit of a hiatus where I predict the Knicks are going to draft Johnny Davis, right? That's the guy they wanted. Once he was off the board, my bet is that nobody else there was that that enticing. And oh by the way, who ended up going eleven, Usman Jang who's a project that we're not taking Usman Jang. And then the guy who went off the board after that is a dude who for most of this mock draft process was pegged to go in the second round and he killed it in the, at the combine. But instead of moving up to 25th, like Quentin Grimes did he moved all the way up to 12th. And this is the, my point that I want to make here. That is how uninspiring the middle of this first round is. And if you don't believe me that the middle of this first round was uninspiring, go look at what the Knicks got the 13th pick for. They got the 13th pick for a selection that is in all likelihood going to be the 20. I don't know if I had, if you, what would, what would your bet be on how the nuggets do next year? If I, I would put 25 as the over under assuming healthy, I'd say 22 and a half. Fine. You know, you're, I'm, I'm a take, little higher. I'll take the, the over. Yeah. I, I would say whatever, 23, 24, 25. Now that's not nothing. Um, you know, it's fine. And the four second round picks. As a point of comparison, look at what the Knicks got last year for the for the Quentin Grimes, or not the Quentin Grimes, but excuse me, it was the Kai, Kai Jones was the guy they took mm-hmm. for the 19th pick in the draft from Charlotte. They got a pick that every, you figure once it actually conveys, will probably convey as a mid to late first rounder because the protections start to go down. That pick might convey at some point as like 15, 16, 17, something in that in that range. No seconds. But if you're a betting man, you would bet that the pick the Knicks got for that 19th pick last year, the first, is going to be a better pick than the pick that they get a much better pick, actually, than they gave up for this 13th pick. It speaks to how people were not enamored with this draft at that portion of the draft. There was a drop off. And if you had read Jonathan Wasserman, if you had read Sam Bassini mm-hmm. along the way in this draft process, you knew NBA talent evaluators thought there was a drop off. So again, this is going to sound to some people like apologies for the front office. Go back and read what I wrote on Thursday. I am not in the mood to apologize for this front office. I'm just, this is, this is what is, this is the the case. Um, 
I don't think I missed anything. Any, anything else on the picks? Oh, oh, sorry. The, the protections you want, you want to go through what the protections are and the, the picks that they kept. Sure. The one thing I just want to say, Jonathan oh, yeah. Wasserman even tweeted on the 21st, which was before the draft. Yes. Uh, future first rounders, specifically 2023 in trades could hold more value than usual this year. Excitement over next year's draft and confidence in this year's n- number 11 to 30 range feels low. Wouldn't be shocked if teams who miss on targets are willing to punt entirely if it means adding a 2023 first. John, where did that range start? 11. Mm, and what did the Knicks do? <laughs> They traded the 11th pick. Yes. Yes, they did. Traded out for two picks that will not convey next year, most likely. Unless, look, I mean, if the Pistons somehow find a way to get Miles Bridges and Cade Bridges and Ivy and maybe some other money that they have at their disposal, like, who knows? Who honestly knows? But I, I don't expect it. I think that the, them being like the 19th pick is a little extreme next year, but it, it's it's the type of pick that it will probably convey by 2025 at the earliest or well, latest, I guess I should say. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Hey guys, quick break to tell you about Factor. Factor makes it easy to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves you time by delivering chef-crafted meals to your doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep. Not to mention cleanup. No dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Going off script for this next part to tell you just how convenient and delicious I've found Factor. My to-do list is usually never-ending, whether it's producing this show, hosting my own show, Final Review, preparing a proposal in Long Beach, doing my taxes, or whatever else. I rarely have time for meal prep. When Factor sent me a box to test out, I chose the extra protein option. They sent me a week's worth of meals, and I had no idea just how convenient this was going to be. Each meal comes pre-prepared. You just put it in the microwave for two minutes, wait another two minutes for it to cool down, and boom, in four minutes, my meal is ready, and it's delicious as well. Last night while I was editing this podcast, I heated up the pork shepherd's pie with white cheddar, Yukon mash, and roasted green beans. Not only was the prep time non-existent, but I was able to get a lunch break in and still get the podcast out for all of you to hear without taking a significant break. They have plenty of other meal options as well. There's vegan and veggie meals, keto, low-calorie options, cold-pressure juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, the one I chose, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool120 and use promo code filmschool120 and get $120 off. That's code filmschool120 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool120 for $120 off. So that's a good a good transition to talking about the picks. And I have to go on a very, I'll make this mini rant shorter. It seems like when other teams trade for future firsts, almost universally, there is praise. Oh, my goodness. What's smart thinking? Almost absent of context. Not completely absent of context, but like, you know, uh, great job. They didn't like what they saw. And look at the value that they got. When the Knicks do it, and by the way, this applies to the Knicks clearing Kemba Walker, and we'll get to that in a second, because I understand that's what everybody's upset about. And there's a part of me that's upset about it, too. It's, oh, look at these crappy picks. And then on the, the Kemba part of it, and we, then we can move on from that. Like, do you remember when a year ago, David Griffin cleared uh, or made a trade for the Memphis Grizzlies to make his team objectively worse in terms of the the pick situation. He gave the, the Grizzlies the pick that they used for Zaire Williams. It was a, that you want to talk about a pick that was valued at the time. That was a very valuable pick at the time. There was also some a salary clearing aspect to that. To move money. Bledsoe and Adams for Valanciunas. Yeah. And Steven Adams, by the way, that was an extension he handed out yep. the previous year. And yet, like my God, David Griffin has gotten, you know, more fellatio by the media than you Hefner in his prime. <laughs> and yet 
when and and like look again the next fuck up of ultimately by signing Kemba Walker yes it's pretty clear like he's done I'll be very curious to see if he gets anything over the minimum when he's eventually waived by Detroit um it was a bad it was it didn't work out it was a bad move I killed him already for it because it was it showed a disconnect with the head coach I don't think he ever wanted Kemba Walker neither here nor there it was a bad move they tried something it didn't work it happens. Better organizations than them screw up. But I, I just the the way it is covered at times is and that also goes to the pick protections, which like I'm sorry, these aren't great picks, but they're like good enough picks that they got that they're gonna have some value. I'll tell you this, I find the picks that they got to be more valuable than the um the Dallas pick next year. And I don't know, maybe you disagree with that. I that's where I'm at. West is going to be pretty competitive. That's the only thing. It is. Dallas was I, well, getting stronger. And Dallas, are the, I mean, are the Mavs going to be the 2021 Hawks? Are they going to come crashing down a little oh, bit? Oh, I would be shocked. Well, I'm, I'm also Why? the biggest, I mean, biggest if, fan of Luka Doncic outside of Dallas. So sure. I'm the wrong person to ask. If they're losing, hypothetically, Jalen Brunson, if they're not really getting much back for him, I'm just saying, I mean, if he misses 15 games a year, which he kind of does right 10 15 like they've got to uh, win those games yeah I'm no just saying, yeah. It, it's a competitive so it's landscape possible. and teams are retooling so That's but what. the but the picks that they got so the you mentioned the detroit pick i think the detroit pick is pretty obvious in that it's so it's top 18 protected the next two years the year after that it's i think lottery protected and then maybe it's top 12 one year after that if unless the kate cunningham era is a colossal failure that pick should convey, like you said, not next year, not the year after that, probably the year after that. And then who knows how good the Pistons wind up being. Um, that might be pretty decent. The one I'm actually kind of ex- not excited about, but I think it hold real value is the Washington pick. I understand the Washington pick will never be a top eight pick. But like if you're looking at one team that kind of perpetually exists in this, like we don't totally suck, but we cut, we're, we're not good either. It's the Wizards. And as as long as like they finish, and I think it's what is it, lottery protected next year, and then the protection starts to go down, something like that. I can, yeah, I'll look it up. Like whether it's two years. And by the way, here's the other thing: the Knicks don't want these picks to convey next year. They, they're it's it's ammunition. Again, this gets into why people are upset. If you're upset at the long term goals of this organization that they're all in on trading a bunch of picks for a star, fine, be upset about that. I'm, I'm I might be right there with you. But the goal of acquiring these picks is not to use them next year. It is to put in a trade that will probably not happen until next summer. So again, the the trade was designed to get picks that are not going to convey for a while. I think the Washington pick could wind up being pretty good, which again, does not matter for the Knicks. It matters for their positioning about how, you know, the value they could get for this thing on the marketplace. And then a top four protected bucks pick in 2025. I mean, like, you know, top you never, four is not a lot. I know. I never know. That's the ultimate lottery ticket, right? Yep. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not banking on it being no. better than, you know, in the twenties, but again, like things happen. Great, who would, crazy who would have thought happens. the Warriors would then finish with the second overall pick? Um, Perfect. Just, yeah. You just don't know. Uh, that Wizards pick, it's top 14 protected in 2023. Then it goes to t- top 12, then top 10, and then top eight. Top um, eight. Yeah. Yeah. And then it would become two seconds in 2026 and 2027 if it has not conveyed. But I'm with you, you know, like I, unless I, if, if there's more for you to say, I'm happy. To no, that's it. Yes. The way that I see it and uh, you'll laugh, but 
this is feeding into my like, what if the Knicks are trying to kick the can down the road towards 2025, then later, and this is the best way to do it. And then they do the whole sign the max star trade for the max star and go over the cap by doing that. Like, are they not in a better position to do something like that now than they were, say, four or five days ago? They they are. They are. I, I, I would again maintain if we're sitting here and having this conversation three years from now, these people will not have jobs. But but that's also still again, my whole philosophy is draft a top prospect in 2022 or 2023. They didn't do it with Ivy. They are no. better prepared, or at least they you would hope that they're better prepared in 2023 to kind of push their chips to the front of the table, move up in what is supposed to be a really good class. Now, you might be thinking, well, why would anyone want to trade out of that area? Well, if they're met with something that's overwhelming and the Knicks have the power to give something that's overwhelming, then they can do that. Um, the philosophy then is, well, are the Knicks, wh- where are they going to be seated? What pick might they have? What pick are the Mavs going to have? All these different things to be determined, obviously. But it's the sort of thing where you could also squeeze more assets out of the other players, the veterans that are currently on the roster. And I think what is very frustrating for me is, and look, it'll either be the case or it won't, but I've seen a lot of accounts that are, let's call them blue check marks, that have basically said like, okay, well, all of this is a failure. This just goes to show that this last year's summer was a nightmare. And look, I've, we have eyes. We know that last year did not go well as a season. It yes. was not optimal. No one's discounting that. The thing is that the Knicks parted ways with their worst player that they were looking to move. So for me, yeah. the hope is, okay, well, everyone else should at least retain better value or not cost as much to part ways with. What exactly that is, we can always talk about it, but that's the thought process. Like Kemba goes and all these people lose their minds about like, look, every player is like Kemba. And it's, it's just not the case. It's not the case. Like I can tell you for a fact that Alec Burks has value on the market. I can tell you Nerlens well, it's not even valued in a way that Knicks fans value him because there are actually teams that don't view him like that. Like I, I can sit here and tell you that. So it's the sort of thought process of like, yes, you're try- like the whole point of last year was to build off of the season beforehand, but it was also to kind of ring out extra assets you can get that you wouldn't be able to get if you just had cap space. And would it be great if Knicks just had cap space because then they could just sign Brunson if if they're able to, and then do whatever they need to, 100. But also if you can like take Alec Burks and try to get something for him, if you can take hell even Julius Randall and get something for him, the Knicks probably view that not probably the Knicks do view that as. We sign these guys to then convert them into assets down the line. I we think, didn't just want to sign them for one season and let it be gone. And we couldn't sign yeah. them for one season because the market dictated we had to sign them for multiple seasons and we didn't want to tank. And we weren't going to take on dead salary because there really wasn't a whole lot. And again, what you just said, we weren't going to tank. This is a this has been the philosophy for two years in running. They had I, when when we sit here and say this organization has had multi and I'll I'll even give you one specific point. And so, again, if you're sitting there and you're like, that is the road they should have gone. They should have tanked one or both of these years. Again, you're well within your right to think so. And I'm not sure I disagree with you. I looked it up. And when I was writing about ahead of this draft, they were 11 and 14 when they made the um, or no, at one point, not last season, the season before that Uh, they were at the time they were 10th in the East. Randall was having a great year. And that is, I believe, when they swung the Derrick Rose trade. 
at the very least, that is like if there was ever a time to start selling off stuff, it's namely Julius Randle, right? When I think he would have had value, like that was the time to do it. They could have very easily pivoted into like go back two years ago. Imagine that team from the point when they were 11, 14, when you take Julius Randle off of it and you don't add Derrick Rose, where does that team go the rest of the year? They had that opportunity. They chose not to take it. So Mm -hmm. that's your beef. Your beef is that they, that's not what they want to do. Um, I look at this summer, going back to what your main point is, as basically they're kind of doing a do-over of what they tried to do last summer. It's going to look a little bit different. And the reason it's going to look a little bit different is last summer. Correct. I'm, I'm trying to do a quick search of my brain here. I don't think what I'm about to say is untrue. There was no free agent on the market that fit their like preference across the board. Like the best free agent on the market that kind of fit what they needed was Kyle Lowry. Oh, actually, no, let me rephrase that. Chris Paul. I think they would have loved to have Chris Paul because I think they believe if they got Chris Paul and you, and they added it to that 41 and 31 core, you could have been talking about a son's like turnaround. I think they believe that whether that's true or not. Other than that, like, I don't know that they were ever really all like that in on Kyle Lowry. Maybe they were, but like Kyle Lowry's older. I'm not, I'm not sure if that was the guy they wanted to really like go big or go home for and sign to that big money. And Oh, by the way, how's that contract aging? Um, DeRozan, you could say that that was an error in judgment. I was the captain of the DeRozan fan club. Didn't like how much money he got. Is that a contract I wish they had right now? I, I don't know. Do you miss, do you wish DeMar DeRozan was on the team right now, Jeremy? I never did. I, I don't mean that as disrespect to DeMar DeRozan. No, I mean, like, he had a great year, but Big like, I'm finance, playoffs, all this. And like, where are we talking about if the Knicks are in the, you know, let's say they somehow find a way to make it into the seventh or eighth seed and they're picking yeah. 15th or 16th. And then fans are even more upset because it's even further out of the range that they could have been. They're not getting the value that they could have. I mean, getting Ivy from 15 or 16 would have been impossible unless you're including. Really? Oh no, they, they really weren't prioritized. It was no. Like, it's the it, same yeah. thing as as when they tried to get Scotty Barnes, and the Raptors said, "Cool, we'll give you the fourth pick, but you can have to. You're going to have to give us RJ." And the Knicks yeah. obviously were not comfortable with that. So um, this year is different because there is a free agent on the open market. The Knicks, I think, think check a lot of boxes. We're going to talk about Jalen Brunson again in a bit. I know we just did a whole a whole four part show on him. Um, he's young. He plays a position of need. Uh, I, I think in terms of like the, the intangibles, uh, they, you know, they like him. It's part of the reason why I think they have a chance to sign him. Uh, so they're going at it a little bit of a different way, but I think the, the, the ethos remains the same is that in that, like, we're going to try to be good without sacrificing, you know, major flexibility without sacrificing a bunch of future picks uh, and we'll wait, we'll bide our time until that trade, the big trade that they want to eventually make becomes available. Is that, do you disagree with that characterization? No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, I think one of the things I was thinking about this weekend, and I don't even mean this with the front office, but I think the one thing that the Knicks have really been shit with is it's communication, but it's also timing. 
Uh, so Communication what I mean by like that, press conferences? No, no, I don't mean that. I mean, just in <laughs> terms of like, sure. But that's why I said like, not exactly from the front, but just in general, as opposed to speaking to the public. I mean, so let me put it this way. First of all, Kemba, when it wasn't working out, what happens? Tibbs basically said, I'm taking Kemba out. It was not yeah. communicated to the front office. Kemba was surprised. It was a mess. And then everything looked disorganized because this was this is a very well-respected veteran. You've got Julius dogging it. Can't find the right rotations. I mean, sure, Kemba is... He's having problems with this lineup, but the way that it was handled, it was not great. No. Then you get to Cam Reddish. And again, at the time... I was fine with Cam not playing because my feeling was, all right, if you're trading the veterans ahead of him, I get it. I totally understand why you're doing it. But then they didn't. And it felt like the time between acquiring Cam and the deadline was terrible. And then after that, it's okay. The Knicks have to go out of their way to shut down players in order for Cam to maybe see time. And then Cam gets hurt. And then the season's over for him. But I always feel like, the reaction from fans had Cam been acquired at the deadline instead of when he was, which is like three weeks before the deadline yeah. would have changed everything because yeah. then it's not like, what is he doing sitting on the bench? It's, Oh, the deadline move you're making is getting Cam Reddish. That's awesome. Let's do it. And then the time, like it would have been shorter time. And then you have, and then you have just this draft where the communication no one could get reports on what the Knicks traded or not. And so whether it was because no one no. said to reporters or a reporter, like, Hey, this is, this is our plan. This is what we're doing. Pandemonium ensued because we had no idea what was going on. And, well, hold on. And all of a sudden, yes. An important caveat. Cause I saw this take too. The Knicks panicked. Brian Windhorst just reported on his podcast. The Knicks were making calls and taking calls about this pick for a, a week leading up. Like the last thing they did was panic. This is exact. You may not like what they got or what they did. This is this was all part of the plan all along to trade this pick. I just want to throw that in there. Yes. But that's the thing. It's just it's how it's not even like the front office addressing fans saying, This is what we want to do, this is what we plan on doing, all these things. It's more the fact of they make a move and then we don't know what's next because there's a disconnect between when the move happens and like what we find out and when we find out about it. And I think that's something the front office needs to do a better job of. I think that's something that uh, the team as a whole needs to do a better job of just planning out. And, and this isn't their fault either. Right, John? Like their whole thing is they can't control that the draft is a week ahead of free agency because they might have something planned for free agency and we just have to wait a whole week. But until then, like they, they can't go out and say, well, the reason we did this is because of that, because then that would be tampering. Yes. And then they would be fined for that. And then they <laughs> would lose more picks for that, like second round picks. So, you know, it's just they need to do a better job of it in general. Uh, and I think that would just help a lot of people understand the information more and then leave with a better feeling. Um, I don't I just want to say this because you brought it up. Uh, the one thing that annoyed me about the Cam thing, I was I like you was I wasn't surprised at all that he wasn't playing at first because like to expect that someone was going to walk into a Tom Thibodeau rotation on day one is like you haven't been paying attention. Uh, it felt like maybe they didn't do their homework on him, not as a player, but as a as a like what he wanted, what his goals were, maybe his work ethic, practice at like any of that stuff, like. 
or or maybe there was just it is evidence of what has kind of been speculated as just a massive disconnect between the front office and the and the head coach. Either way, it's not it's not great, you know. No, and it also could have been Atlanta said, "Listen, we don't want this to drag out any longer. That's we're moving awesome. him." And the Knicks said, "Okay, well, all right, we'll just take him now. We're gonna plan on it later on." Yeah. And well, and again, we we saw them try to move him to L.A. We try, we saw him be in reports for Detroit. Like to me, yep. Cam at first when he was acquired, the first thought was like, "Okay, well." He, if the Knicks are going above the salary cap, he is continuous soup. And now it's the thought process of how many continuous cam. Cam, yeah, how many trades is Cam Reddish going to be <laughs> potentially in that we know of before well, maybe Cam Reddish is not even on this team in a matter of five, six days. I, I, I said I know what my over under is going to be. Uh, we'll get there a little bit later. Um, okay, let's let's touch on the Han thing real quick. So Han went on Alan on uh, who does a great job with MSG went on Michael K's radio show. And basically said, Knicks tried to trade up for four or five, and uh, both teams were like, "This is the way." What he said was was taken, which is that your young players are not good enough to trade up for. My my reaction to this is like, I I don't know if this is maybe going to cause more people to be upset. I don't disagree with anything he said in that the Knicks. Nick fans, and I'm I'm in this group, just like every fan base, tend to overrate our players a little bit. We tend to be a little bit higher on our own players than than consensus. Um I never thought that like Cam or Grimes or Obi was going to like it didn't make sense when you heard about the players that were being talked about in exchange for some of these picks. Like you're talking about OG Ananobi, you're talking about John Collins, you're talking, I'm trying to think who else, whose name came up this week that I'm forgetting. You're, you're talking about like borderline all star players at points in time over the last couple of years. Like, I don't think John Collins is a terribly good player. I could tell you his name was in an all star conversation at some point over the last couple of years. Uh, OG Ananobi, I, I would have bet anything that he would have, not anything, I would have bet something that he would have made an all star team this year. And then he kind of like, you know, flattened out like, and, and we talked about this going into the, the, the draft about the, the sorts of players who you usually needed to move to get up. Unless you were trading another pick in like the top five or six, you need to move like borderline all-star level talent, like, an like an Antoine Jameson, you know, guy scored 20,000 points in his NBA career. Like, no, he was never a big time all NBA level player, but he was really good. Like that's not where Obi Toppin or Cam Reddish, or Quentin Grimes are. Quickly is the one who I was like, I could see a team maybe talking themselves into quickly being better than it is. But even that, I always thought this was going to come down to how many firsts and what were the protections going to be on the firsts that the Knicks were putting on the table. I That was my opinion going into the draft and coming out of the draft. I still kind of think that it came down to how many firsts, like they weren't willing to put on the table as, as many, like I think, Detroit would have made the deal if the Knicks put multiple future firsts with limited or no protections into the trade, which my goodness, would that have been, that would have been a lot like that's, that's, you know, Penny Hardaway going up to get Chris Weber, um, which it's not something you see every day, which is why these trades don't happen a lot. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I was surprised by the way people reacted to it, but maybe that's just me. 
I mean, the one benefit about picks is that Tom Thibodeau can't play veterans ahead of them. <laughs> this, is, this is true. Like we talk about value. Well, how are these players supposed to accrue value if you're sitting on the bench? No, 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 really. No, let's, let's not, we don't have to, we don't have to support tips here. We can be transparent about the fact that like Obi Toppin, if he's not getting minutes and if he's not doing what he should be, if he's standing in the corner, waiting to spot up for threes, having to like create his own opportunities by cutting because the Knicks don't cut and he does that really well. And so he goes against the game plan to just create opportunity. Like that is something that we see that maybe other teams and their fans certainly don't see because of the fact that how could they, what, like what opportunities do they really have? We talked about Emmanuel quickly. He finally got the opportunity to be a lead ball handler and it still was in the reserve section. He wasn't able to start a lot of minutes though. Sure, which is great, but he wasn't able to do that until what? Until the opportunities ahead of him cleared up and then he could, like, you still have Burks. I understand why Burks was ahead of him, but I also don't understand why Burks was ahead of him. So, no, that's that's a separate issue. I, I, I guess I'm I'm more pushing back. I, listen, I know this was a take that got made a lot. I, I don't agree with it. I know I'm in the minority on that. I think other teams look at Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin and are inclined to at least understand, if not agree with the reasons that they were not getting more time. The Obi thing is worse because of how they use him and how few minutes he got this year in the face of Randall struggling so mightily. But I think there's a difference between saying Obi Toppin should have played a lot more and you should have maybe geared the offense more to his talent. Well, actually, I don't even know if I could say that because I don't know if they have the personnel to geared to have geared more towards his talents. You need a dynamic guard to to get the most out of Obi Toppin. They didn't have one of those this year. Right. Um, but like playing Randall less and playing Obi more, I think is a separate conversation than had they played Obi Toppin 20 plus minutes a night all season long, teams would like his his how he is viewed around the league would be materially different. Um that's where I'm I'm not I'm not really there. May I listen, maybe I'll be proven wrong. I hope I am proven wrong because if I'm proven wrong, it means it's gonna blow up next year and nothing would make me happier. So both things can be true in that we love our players more than any other fan base because they are our players. Yes. And also they did not have the opportunity yet to show why they can have significant value or at least more value than they have right now. Like there's a reason why when there are articles that come out and granted there are articles, they, they, they don't, they're, they're one person's opinion, so to speak. But like, you know, that when it's something like a Donovan Mitchell trade and it's Tyler hero and um, like late first round picks and Duncan Robinson's matching salary. And then for the Knicks, it's like, it's every young player and more picks. It's because yeah. the perception of Tyler hero being able to play for a good team, nonetheless trumps whatever the Knicks are able to provide because if you're not, this is another thing that goes inside of like the, the whole mindset of trying not to lose games. If you lose games, you're viewed as a losing player. Look no further than Devin Booker. Devin yeah. Booker was considered well, a losing player by a lot. A lot of people but, felt he's like he's a scorer who does not know how to no. win. And then you, he gets better and you bring better talent around him. And suddenly they're doing great things. They're making it to the championship. They obviously had a poor season, uh, right? Uh, playoff wise this year, but that's still the, the mindset. Like, add good players to good players, and you'll get good results. And by winning, the hope is that you then say, hey, 
these people can contribute to winning. It's like, why is it that Emmanuel quickly, his net ratings are consistently good? It's because he impacts other players, but he doesn't yes. play with a whole lot of other really good players to help elevate all of them. Yeah, but th- there's a lot of, I don't say there's a lot. There are players out there who like, you know, good things just seem to happen when they're on the floor. There's lots of those players in the league. Not a ton, but there's like enough of them where those players don't necessarily put up big numbers or don't like aren't flashy in the way that stars are flashy. And like their value is is what it is. Like and Emmanuel quickly, by the way, he's not even really there yet because again, like we we could talk to we're blue in the face about how great Emmanuel quickly is going to be and about how much he needs to be in a more featured role and this and the other thing. We're still talking about a guy who has not been the most efficient player over the last, over the first two years of his career when you consider that that is supposed to be his primary strength. Like he's supposed to be a shooter first and foremost. And guess what? For large swaths of his rookie year and this year, he just didn't shoot it very well. So again, that's one of those things where it's like, how are how do you evaluate that if you're another team? Do you just bank on like, oh, the kid's going to shoot it for sure. We're, we're going to bank on him shooting it and he's going to be a great six man at worst and maybe a decent starting point guard at best. Like, I, you know, if I, I'll say this, if I was Detroit or Sacramento and I got a chance to get two future Nick, either unprotected picks, one with some protections, one unprotected, like that's when I would have made the deal. I wouldn't have made the deal for fucking quickly and, uh, and a you know one first and like the eleventh pick in this draft like that's I don't know it's that's just me but that's I, not necessarily that's not putting quickly down that's just talking about assets that are better prioritized because they can be anything and you have more team control and you have to pay those players less like if you're talking about how quickly is like those guys who are out there who can do similar things okay but how many of them are also twenty three years old or younger well, a lot of them are more closer to their prime. And they're known quantities. I'll so say the, okay. ceilings. We're supposedly so high on Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin and Quentin Grimes and all this, right? We, all of us, you know, I think universally, some people may not have been willing to do this, but I think most people were, were willing to throw any one of them into a package that got us um, Jaden Ivey. And you know what Jaden Ivey is right now? You know why he was available? Because he's a mystery box, right? He's the mystery box. You don't really know what's inside. You see the talent. The talent is amazing. Still needs to put a lot of stuff together. And yet, even for a player of that caliber, Knicks fan, and you know who Knicks fans were not willing to put into that trade? RJ Barrett. Why? Because you like we see with RJ, there's something there. Again, there are issues with RJ. We don't have to get into that right now. But like... I, I don't know. I, I'm. I, I think we're. There's a part of it that's just a little bit of talking out of two sides of our mouths here. But I, I look. I hope I'm wrong. I. I. Oh my God. Do I want to be wrong about this one? And and have these players absolutely blow up and have Tom Thibodeau look like an asshole for not playing them more. Well, um, he already said I should have played them more, according to Berman. So. I. I Again, I hope it comes true. I nothing would. We, we won't know here. unless we see it, right? We won't know unless we see it. So exactly. then we should see it. That's that's the goal. Um, okay. Uh, anything else on the draft before we move on to next week? I feel like lingering thoughts that we didn't cover. I don't, I think we got all of this out. I think so too. You know, again, it's just, we're talking about the future. Like Knicks fans. I've seen so many talk about small markets. This is what small markets do. They don't punt on cat. They don't 
like move Kemba Walker. Granted, that's not really what a small market does. They would probably be a little bit better about the money involved, but like trying to add quantity in terms of picks. Like again, I know people will be like, oh hey, wow. The Knicks have 11 firsts over the next seven years. Big whoop because the Knicks still don't have a star. And it depends on how you view RJ Barrett. But to me, it's still okay. Well, you're still gaining assets that can help you down the line. Uh, I still maintain that the time for them, they just have to continue progressing. But we're really looking at three years away before like they make a big, big leap. That's the hope. You hope that in maybe like two years, they're at least like a solid playoff team. And then next year, We'll see what to expect. We don't really know. But like that, that to me is where the mindset goes. If you feel like the, the Knicks weren't going to be a contender leaving today or leaving the draft, no matter what, then you're right. Like they weren't going to be. They're not going to be a contender no matter what they do, unless they do something that's really short-sighted. And I would hope that they don't do that. Um I'll just end this segment of the show before we move on to part two by referencing. Um, the great goat himself, Ian Bagley, his reporting over the course of this entire week. I forget which article I cited and in, in what I wrote ahead of the draft, but this team wants to win. They want to win games. They are not, they've never, not once since Leon Rose came aboard in literally every move that they have made and every decision that they've made, they've, they've not tried to hide that fact that they are in the business of winning basketball games, winning more basketball games than not um, as an organization um, top to bottom. They will continue to try to do that this year. And that is why I, I, but again, they will not, they will not do it at the cost of being responsible in their eyes. You may listen, you listening to this right now, you may say, how could you say they have been, they haven't been um, irresponsible that, you know, X, Y, Z, this is all irresponsible. Okay. In their view for this particular approach, they're doing it. They're, they're towing the line. We'll see if it works. I don't think they're getting three years. I don't think they're getting two years. I think this is the year where they need to maybe not win a certain amount of games, maybe make the playoffs even, or just like any of that stuff. But they, there needs to be evidence of like growth. Yeah, and I, I and I, I I'll even go a step further. We you know we we are fond of saying like last season was not as bad as it, it gets made out. They still won thirty seven games and and this and that. Like there's still good stuff happening here. They cannot have a repeat of last season in terms of like the way that felt and the way it looked and the way it sounded <laughs> from people talking about it. They cannot have a repeat of that. And that'll be a transition into like the next stage of the conversation. But that to me is, is the biggest thing this, this needs to go back to being a team that people feel good about. Cause I think the fact that people felt so bad about it last year, that's not going to fly again. And yeah, that's my two cents on that. Yeah. And I think there's only not only, but there is one primary way that will satisfy a lot of people that can help their case. 